0: Because we we usually don't read it. It's one of those psalms that, if you're going through something, you don't want to go read. In fact, if you're depressed, this will probably make you more depressed. It's one of them psalms that you're just not going to write a book about how to pick me up in twelve easy steps. This is a hard one. It's a hard psalm to go through, but the Holy Spirit woke me up in the middle of the night. About three or four days ago, and would I could not get it out of my mind of reaching this psalm. So, if you have your Bibles and you find Psalm 88, if you would stand with me for the reading of the word. Title of the message this morning is "When God Doesn't Heal." When God doesn't heal, Psalm 88. I'm going to read the prelude, which is on top of the psalm, which you can see on the screen. It says, "A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah, to the chief musician." Set to the Mahaleth, the Linoloth, the contemplation of Heman the Ezrahite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and your afflicted, you have afflicted me with all your waves. Say love. You have put away my acquaintances for far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and cannot get out. My eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you work your wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Selah. Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in the place of the destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark, and your righteousness in the land of the forgetfulness? But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have afflicted; I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors, and I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They have came around me all day long like water. They engulf me altogether. Loved one and friend, you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. Let us pray. Lord, I know the, the harshness of this song. Lord, I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon preached on this one. God, I pray that you would give me the words that you would want me to say for these, your beloved people. God, I pray that you would enlighten our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, and open our hearts to receive, Lord, this very important passage of love for you. God, that we do not roll past this very quickly and that we don't skip past the pain of this. So Lord, I pray that you would help us oh god as we walk this road this morning father we give you praise for everything that's going to take place although we ask all this in jesus name amen amen you may be seated what happens when god doesn't heal what happens when god doesn't heal this is a hard question that pastors get asked all the time because there are times that we know that god doesn't heal There are times that we wish God would heal, and if it were up to us, we would do the work ourselves, but we deal in life in situations where there are times that He does not. As I said to you earlier, my wife told me yesterday or the day before about the family that she used to work with, that they lost their their 18-year-old son, 18 or 19-year-old son in the prime of his young life, had an accident, at a bonfire, what many guys do young men do at that age and the fire had kicked back into him and hit that gas can i don't know if he's holding it or where it was and pertaining to him all i know is that when it hit him it explode it exploded and it hit him it burned him over 80 percent of his body his body could not fight off the infection the the eventually he passed away within a week and this is all happened before, this all happened after God gave me this song but it just hit me in the middle of of this The middle of the night, I've been praying, and God has been speaking to my heart about you all as a family of God, that many of you are encountering burdens, and burden after burden in your family, burden after burden in your life, and you're just seeking the Lord and asking God for help, and you're asking God for something to get you through this situation. And the Holy Spirit began, he woke me up, I mean, out of a dead sleep at 2.30 in the morning, and brought me to this psalm. And wants me to speak this to you at this moment in time. Now, I want to tell you that, that, that and interestingly enough, and, and when you understand inspiration, the Bible tells us that all Scripture is inspired of God. All Scripture is breathed on by the Holy Ghost. All Scripture is inspired of God. And I want to tell you that, that the numbers in your Bible, where we separate chapters, they're not inspired. We added them so that we know where we're going. It's like we added points on a road map. You know, you're not going to see a big old stamp out in the middle of the road, East Point, even though it's on the map. It's not there. It's just to guide you when you're looking at a map. It's not really there. That's what the numbers are. They're just maps. They're locations on a place that are not there. If you have something in bold print where so they have put a heading in there, those words are not inspired. They were added by editors later to help you understand what this particular passage is about. That's somebody's idea of what's there. And I mean, bold print, like my song has headings here. Now, however, if you have what we read here in verse 1, if you go ahead and put that up on the first verse there. And here, all of this, however, is in Hebrew. Before you ever get to what we would call verse 1, O Lord, God of my salvation, all of that is still in Hebrew, and all of that is still inspired of God. Because of that, sometimes we run past these headings. Sometimes you can get something out of them. Sometimes you cannot. Sometimes it's nothing more than just a Hebraic heading, so that they would know what the psalm was about. But this particular case, there is something very powerful about this. The first thing I want you to realize is that the sons of Korah, which this psalm was written for, or were the temple choir people. This psalm was saying in the temple. The place where they sacrificed the lamb. The place where they went into the most holy place. The place where they, they met God. The place where God showed up. They sang this song. You would think they would sing this song outside the temple, away from where it was pleasant, away from the presence of God, far away from where, you know, God would be, uh, God's presence would be and because it, it does, it seems like God doesn't sound very good in this psalm. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're going to try to, if you're an advertising agency, you're not going to pick this particular psalm to tell people about Jesus. You're going to go to John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You're not going to go to Psalm 88 verse 18. Loved one and friend you have put far away from me and acquaintances in the darkness. That's not your verse. But it's reality of life. You see... What this, what these verses of scripture help us with, and what we have to recognize is that there are times that there are burdens upon the people of God, there are burdens upon the house of God, there are burdens upon individuals, and you, it, 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 you wish and you pray and you hope that God will take it from you, but you know there's a there's a there's a reality of life that this world is sinful, and you're going to deal with difficult things and go through hard trials and things you're not going to be able to explain and all these other things you're not going to be able to bring up in in your life and you're not going to be able to tell people about it you're not going to be able to uh, let yourself be that vulnerable because simply you don't want people to hurt you anymore and we keep ourselves guarded and we don't share that truth but only to God and only to God we we tell these things too we we say God I don't understand why he got the job and I didn't. God, I don't understand why she married him and I didn't. I don't understand why this happened and that. I don't understand, God, why my life is this way. And you, you come to church and you put on your happy face and you smile and you say, praise God. Hallelujah. You get your hanky out and you run across the church. You shout, praise God. And you walk out of here inside. You're hurting. You're broken. And you need to have a reality check from God that there's real pain out there. There's real sorrow out there there and god sees it and in order to get through it and the order to be get beyond it you have to be able to recognize that i live in a in a, a grief stricken world i go through grief stricken times and i tell you as a pastor i i i don't have the luxury of living in a bubble where there's cotton candy and bubble gum everywhere why because people it seems like on a weekly basis i hear of someone's pain and i go through these times and listen it would you would drive you out of your mind if you would just if you would dwell on all the pain and all the suffering and all the things and a lot of guys quit 1800 pastors quit a month 30 what is that a year whatever do the math all the way through the year they quit there are people that they just can't handle it after five years many pastors give up and never return to the ministry but let me tell you that these 1800 pastors that quit a month across denominational by they're not ever coming back to a church i don't mean they retired i mean they quit gone can't handle it can't go through it and i'm not trying to get you to pray for me i don't have anything to say about that but you should be praying for me because i need it but here we have a guy named Haman the Ezraite. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings that this guy was on par with Solomon in his wisdom. Not as great, but he was up there. He was, he was his family was in that inner court, in that king's court. He was a sought-after individual of wisdom and understanding. He was somebody that people wanted to talk to. He was somebody that everybody clamored to get their attention. And the Jewish literature tells us that he was a wonderful musician and a wonderful orator and somebody that would sing and you would would pay money to hear him sing and you would listen and you would want to just be in his presence and and he would mesmerize and he would go through all of his songs and this guy wrote was writing and, and it was probably part of the temple choir and those that would sing these glorious music unto God while they were having their festivals and having their sacrifices and, and how the Holy Spirit would come down out of heaven and literally blanket the Holy of Holies and you would see the very presence of God, the Shekinah glory fill the house of God and you knew the high priest was in there. I mean, come on choir, you can sing when you see God physically manifesting himself right in front of you and the fire of God surrounds you I can tell you what if you can't sing you can sing in that moment and he's in the presence of God and he's singing and he's 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 watching God move and he knows his high priest is in there just giving all of the sin and all all of the suffering to the Lord and they're singing and they're rejoicing and then in one moment something happens and all of it taken from him every bit of it what was it that was taken from him the the reality is is that his yeah last week somebody kept calling me and it was the wrong number in the middle of service take that out of my pocket the reality of life is that he got hit by a sickness called leprosy And if you understand Jewish tradition and understand the rules of the temple, you're not allowed to set foot in the temple anymore. The moment that he was stricken with leprosy, he he was cast out as a young man he was he grew up being groomed for this he was he was schooled in the best schools he was wise he was there in inner court he was around the feet of Solomon he was somebody that people looked up to even as a young man and then one day he woke up with leprosy and never had married and never had had gone and never is going to experience the joys of having children and never is going to experience all these things and all of his family can't even get around him they're not allowed to touch him why because he they're they're part they're integral part of the king's house and they're also part of the temple the temple choir and all of them they can't get near him because if they touch him not only will they may be able to catch what he has but if they touch him he's not going to be able they're not going to be able to worship in a temple either they won't be until they go through a ritual of cleanness they will not be able to worship god so they they don't touch him Remember the story about the Good Samaritan Jesus told? The story goes something like this. There was a guy that was beaten up on a journey. And he was beaten up with an inch of his life and he was laid on the side of the street and there was a Levite came by and they walked on the other side and a priest came by and walked on the other side the these guys walked on the other side but the Samaritan walked up picked him up put him on his donkey put him down to the inn and and told the innkeeper take care of him I'll give you this money take care of him and if you if you need more money when I get back I'll pay that And it's a beautiful story about taking care of somebody. And that's where we get the idea of being a good Samaritan is helping people in need. But here's the issue. The Levite and the priest were not really bad guys. They were on a mission. They were to declare God. They were to be in a temple of God. And if they would have touched him on the side of the road, if they would have gotten near him, a dead body. Some of these guys wait all their lives just to have a moment to be in the presence of God in the temple. Imagine if you've been groomed for your entire life for one moment, like Zechariah and John the Baptist in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, where he's groomed all of his life. It's finally his turn as an old man to go before and offer the sacrifice and there we see the angel talking to him and giving him the message but this was his only chance if he would have touched a dead body or somebody that may have looked dead he would have not have been able to be there and they would have kept him out because no unclean thing can be in the presence of God so they 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 move him, they 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 move around him. They they say, maybe they may have felt compassion for him, but their job is preventing him, them from touching him. And I want to tell you, there are churches around our country today that are walking by people that are beaten and bruised, and we have compassion for them, and we feel offer for them, but we recognize that if we get near them, our our stuff in our life may come back up on us and we may be unclean. You with me those of you that understand what I'm talking about you those do you understand that you know, there are times that you have to, there are times that God heals you and God, times that God touches you and times that God blesses you. But there are many, many times in your life that you're walking through life that there are times that it feels like the heavens are brass and it feels like your prayer is just bouncing off the top of the ceiling and you don't know that God even heard you and you don't even know these things. And here we are, a young man who is wise, who is sought after, a young man that has lost the rest of his life is completely gone. That as you read through the Psalm and understand, now when you read through it that he has leprosy you will see as he gets older he's beginning to lose his sight as leprosy I was going to put pictures of leprosy and I thought "Eh, that's probably not a good idea but it begins to eat away at your skin and it begins your skin would begin to fall off and sometimes they would lose they'd wake up one morning and their hand would be gone and they wake up one morning and their eye is totally gone This, this disease is a sickening wicked hurtful disease that literally consumes your body and he's thrown out among the lepers, and he's thrown away, and he's nowhere near allowed the presence of God. He's, at one, at one time, he felt the Shekinah glory of God. At one time, he saw the Shekinah glory of God. At one time, all of this was his, and now he's around people that smell, and around now he's around outcasts, and now he's far away, and his heart is heavy, and it's breaking before God, and he writes this song. So you ask yourself, how in the world did God inspire this? Why would God inspire this? Why would God speak to this man's heart? And we, like I said, Holy Spirit inspired us. The Bible tells us in, uh, in, in Paul writing, he says, all scripture is inspired, breathed upon by God. All of it is there. It is there for us. And I want to I tell you this morning, because, and I want to get a little further in this, but it's because it reflects the heart of God. Looking at his people. I preached a while ago on a passage of scripture in Hosea chapter 11. The Bible tells us in Hosea chapter 11, verse 8. It says, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zebuim? My heart churns within me and my sympathy is stirred. Now, this verse 7, go back further. My people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none at all exalt him. And he looks and you see this very next word. It says, how can I give you up Ephraim? Why, why would God call Israel Ephraim? Because it's the word, it's the name of Joseph's son. But it's the name when God uses this name many times in prophecy. He's using it as a rebellious people. He's using it as a, to call them something that they are literally trying in our vernacular. They're literally trying to get a divorce from God. And he's saying, how can I give you Y'all with me? Hear this Psalm. He inspired God. Look for a man named Haman. He looked for this guy. And he says, and he says, and he touches his pain. And he says, that's my pain. Wherever you go, whenever you walk, wherever you are, you're carrying issues. You're carrying pain. You're carrying sorrow. You're carrying these things. And God says, you're not doing this alone. I love with an everlasting love. I love. And whenever I see the lost and those dying around, I look around and I'm looking for somebody to reach out to them and I'm looking for somebody to sing to them and I'm looking for somebody. And there's somebody tonight that's going to be in a ditch somewhere that's strung out on drugs and god's looking over them and says how can i give you up i don't want to let you die but everybody over there is walking around you and everybody over there is letting you go and everybody over there says you're worthless but i don't want to let you go and i don't want to let you down and i'm not going to throw you away well there's somebody well there's somebody stand up on the street corner and sing the words of god to them I gave it away what's going on because Haman, he he does this. History tells us that Haman, after he received leprosy, he went out on the street corners. And though they couldn't touch him with their hands, he would stand up on a corner. As he would stand up, Knowing that they couldn't touch him, he would stand high and he would set his mouth back and he would sing. And through his voice, he would sing over the crowds like he sang when he was in the temple choir and he would sing even though no one could touch him and they couldn't get near him they were moved as they would listen to this man in leprosy as he would sing unto the Lord his song and he would sing unto the Lord how great God is and he would sing unto the Lord how wonderful the Lord is and he would sing all those songs he remembered and though they could not get up there and tell him how good of a guy he is and they they can't slap him on the back he didn't care about people's praise all he cared about was pleasing his God and he stood up there on the corner and sang and sang and sang and sang unto the Lord and he would not allow what was inviting around him. He would not allow his circumstances to dictate to him his praise to his God and he sang in spite of it all. He sang because of it all. He sang because his God was worthy of his song. Praise God in this room. If We go through this Hebrew here, let me go, and we're going to go back to verse one. We're just going to stay in the prelude just for a moment. The Bible tells us that this song that he wrote, the first thing we recognize there, there are two words for song here in Psalm 88. It says a song, a psalm. Now these two words for song mean two different things. The first thing, the first word for song simply means a song of peace, joy, and celebration. That doesn't sound like it to me unless that's the way you're delivering it. You hear me? When I was in school, we had music theory. And you could make the craziest songs sound great, and you could make the craziest and the happiest songs sound sad. Now, Now, listen, I'm going to do a little illustration here, and don't write me any letters, because I'm going to talk about Santa Claus for just a moment. I mess with my kids every once in a while at Christmas time. Where I said, You know the creepiest Christmas song out there? And they said, What? I said, Santa Claus is coming to town. And they said, What? I said, He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. They're like, Oh, that's scary. Thanks for ruining that one. You understand what I mean? How you sing the song determines how you feel about the song. (laughs) Dear Lord, I'm sorry if I ruined it for you. You don't know. See, what we don't hear is the music to the song. We don't hear that this song, this song is not supposed to be a song of pain musically. That this song is to be a song of joy and celebration because how many people were able to hear from a man that was over there in the choir in the temple and he came out of the temple and he stood there and he sang for all to hear. It's not a normal thing because he's not allowed, they're not allowed to touch. They're not allowed to be around unclean things because they can't get back into the temple. But now God plucked him out of the choir and put him on the corner because why? Because no one cares if you touch him now because he's a leper and he doesn't care about it at all. Why? Because God wants you to hear a song of joy. I want to tell you this reminds me of somebody very important in your life. Bible said he was made sin for those Peprosy was put upon him, and he came down from heaven, from, from the throne room of God, and we could not get to the throne room, and we could not be upon him, and we could not touch him because we were unclean, but God came down to us, and he took our sin and laid it upon himself, and now he stands on a corner, and he sings his love song to all that will listen to his voice and to hear what he has to say. The enemy wants you to do is lose your song of peace and joy and celebration. You see, I can say, I've been through the battle and I've been through the flood, but it's how I say that. It's how I rejoice. And I, maybe I'm, because there's sometimes people give testimonies and they're giving credit to the devil. And then there are some people that will say the very same thing and give credit to God. And it's a rejoicing thing. There's a story. I'm not sure that it's true or not, but it was, it was a, it was, it's a, story that was told to me years ago, an illustration about how to tell, talk to people about hell. There was a man that went to church one day his young wife had asked him over and over please will you come to church with me will you come to church with me will you come to church with me and so she he relinquishes early in their marriage and he comes to church and that day when he came to church his wife is so happy and she's just glowing and she's sitting there and the pastor sees it and he decides that's the day he's going to preach on the uh, the fiery pit of hell And he lays into all of them, and he talks about hell, and he tells them all that they're going to hell and all this stuff, and he's going right at them. And the guy gets up, stone cold, walks out the back door, and doesn't go back to church for 30 years. Then, 30 years later, as they're much older in life, she asked him, will you please come to church with me today? So he comes to church with with her today that day so she's excited ben hasn't been in church in 30 years and she's hoping it's not a sermon on hell and guess what it was a sermon on hell god was trying to tell that man something but here's the difference he was up there preaching the pastor was up there preaching on hell this time he was preaching with tears and when he was speaking on hell and speaking about well everlasting fire and where those that die and their sins go he was speaking with someone of compassion and when it happened at the altar call when he said does anybody want to receive christ that husband that ran out the back door that first time 30 years ago ran to the front of the church and received christ as a savior and his wife was a little put out and she asked, I mean, she's excited about the fact that he's saved. But she asked him, she said, now, can you tell me why? Why, why 30 years ago would you, would, you, would you get mad and leave when that preacher preached about hell? And why 30 years later that you run to the altar? And she's thinking about 30 years that she's went through and lived with a man that has been sinful. And she says, why, why would you, why, why did you go to the altar here? And he said, well, 30 years ago, he preached like he wanted me to go there. And today he preached like he didn't. You hear me? It's all in how you present the message. And hear this this song, it's painful. It's hard, but if you seek, if you could hear the man singing if you could see in your mind's eye the smile on his face as he delivers this song onto all those and many other songs of the temple. As he sings joyously unto the Lord. As he gives praise to his God. It's a song of peace. It's a song of joy. It's a song of celebration unto the one that loves him. The next word says "As psalm. It's a song of praise. That's what that means. So not only is it a song of peace and joy and celebration, it is a psalm, uh, meaning simply of of praise, which many of these are throughout. That's why we call it psalms. It's songs of praise unto God for the sons of Korah, those in the temple, and to the chief musician, all these people around the house uh, of the temple house, and they would sing unto the Lord. The Bible says this is set to, the mehaleth, and the linoleth. Now, the reason why they're not translated is because we don't really know how to translate that. It's Hebrew, and it means a couple of different things. But you get the idea of the base meaning. It means to be exhausted, diseased, weak, fable, and afflicted. That's Mehalef. And then linoleth means... To be humbled by affliction. With me. Here's the song of praise, the song of peace, the song of joy, sang by a person who's exhausted, diseased, weak, Fable. feeble, afflicted. It could also mean somebody that's in pain, who's shaking or trembling. Because it takes everything they can do. Bible tells us. That we have someone that knows us in our infirmities. And knows us in our weaknesses. And knows where we are. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him Stricken. And smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The process here of Jesus standing there shaking and trembling trembling, being afflicted by our sin as he's nailed to that cross. And yet we all received the benefit of being in the very presence of Christ, how he was wounded for us, how he loves us. The Bible tells us in the next word, the next word says that this is a contemplation, which in Hebrew is a masculine. And it means to prosper and understand. So basically means a, the, to, for you to understand the man, Haman, the Ezraite, what this was about. And he caused him to understand. And I want to close in just a moment here with these, with this, under, with this story. You see, as, as people of God, we like to we like the exciting endings. We like the, the endings where it seems like everything works and everything comes together and everything's great. And we, we don't like to see the endings where it, it's sad and we don't understand why things happen and we, we, and we won't fully recognize it all until we get, get to glory. Let me think, think about Job himself. Think about Job. I mean, yes, God blessed him doubly after, after it was all said and done, but it doesn't take away the fact that he lost all of his kids. Does it take away the fact that he's going to walk through the rest of his life remembering babies that he no longer sees? Yet he glorifies God. And I want to tell you that there are people that need to get this here today that maybe you don't understand why you went through the things in your life and you don't understand why it's going on the way it's happened in your life. But I want to tell you, if you will sing in spite of it all, there will be people that will be healed because you sang. We overcome because we testify. We overcome because we give our testimony. We overcome that we say, yes, I know I've been through trial. And yes, I know I've been through struggle. And yes, it may not make sense, sense, but I'm not going to let the world steal my song. And I'm not going to let the devil steal my faith. I'm not going to let anybody steal my song because I know that if I stand up and sing in the midst of it all, maybe somebody down the road can identify with the fact that where i've been and what i've gone through and they may be healed because of it daniel 3 says this tells us a story of guys shadrach meshach and Abednego who who were who did not bow down to a false idol who did not bow down to the things of this world who did not bow down to all the things of that the world had to offer and nebuchadnezzar was chastising them and tell them bow down to this golden statue that's of me bow down and they would not do it they would not worship they would not do these things and they he refused to do it and so nebuchadnezzar grabs them and gets the furnace. You know the story as a child fired up seven times hotter than it's ever been before. And I used to remember thinking about how awesome that was, and how the how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they, they were thrown into that fire, and how Jesus, the Son of Man, was standing there in the midst of the fire, and the fire didn't burn them and didn't even touch them, and they didn't even smell like smoke when they got out of the fire. And there, and Nebuchadnezzar says, There's there's I know we threw three in there but there's four standing in there I love that story as a child of of Jesus coming through when it meant everything he just stood there and said to tell us the testimony and I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were excited that he was there I'm sure they were but I want you to hear something before they ever went in this is what I believe as a church we need to recognize where we are, what's going on Verse 16 of Daniel 3 says, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, whether they're going to bow down. In fact, if that is the case, our God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us from your hand, O king." But verse 18 says this: "But if not. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image you have set up. We need a generation of people that are going to stand there and they're going to say, if God heals me, I'm going to shout. But I'm not going to let my pain steal my shout. And if he doesn't heal me, I'm not going to bow down to the golden calf. I'm not going to bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. If not, I'm still not going to worship the things of the world. I'm going to sing and make joyous noise to my God, for he is worthy of my praise. we as believers we as individuals here today we have to hold within our hearts and our minds that we don't know why things happen we don't know where things are going to take place in your life but we know who's going to be with us in the midst of it all let me tell you whether that fire burnt them up or not Jesus was still going to be in that fire with them It's just, instead of coming out of the fire, they would have gone on with him. Whether he heals you or not, Jesus is with you. Whether you you get through this thing or not, Jesus is still going to be with you. He weeps with those who weep. He rejoices with those who rejoice. Came down from heaven and put our sin upon himself took it upon his back for the cross because before we couldn't touch him but now whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you've gone it doesn't matter what you've done and in the midst of of his pain as you can hear him sing from the cross it is finished it is finished as you can hear that sigh of relief as the last thing that comes out of his mouth as he releases that relief and saying it is finished I did it they can all come to me now everyone that is lost and everyone that's in pain and everyone they could never have gotten to me but I finished it I did it I got them they're mine now devil I, I know I'm dead here but I'm coming up now they're mine they're mine they're mine they're mine you are loved so much by God today he's willing to be afflicted for you your affliction matters not to the Lord because he was bruised he was wounded he was chastised he was whipped he was pierced he was thrown away all because he loves you because you desired to see your face with him how do you become healed sing with him Thing with him. Don't get mad at the world. Don't get mad at the devil. Don't get mad at the God. Take it to the Lord and lift it up. and begin to be like Him. Stand out on the corner and begin to lift up your voice. Though the world may slay you. You're still gonna sing. You're still gonna rejoice. You're still gonna be glad today. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.